to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I say it every time, and I'll say it again. It's really nice to have you with us here on the program to share a conversation that we're going to have with our very special guest. We'll get to her in just a moment, uh, but I want you to know that uh, what we have available for you today is a program that uh, comes your way on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com, podcasting at a.m. at uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations, too numerous to uh, mention at this time. We are also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. We hope that at the very least you will uh, select a notification. Uh, But if not, uh, select subscribe. uh, Subscribe. If you could just at least do notification. Don't have to subscribe. First of all, I will tell you that SoundCloud, we are fast. We're at 99,300 some odd listens thus far. Now, that is through all of the outlets. Um, on YouTube, I have a high, I have 121, uh, followers or subscribers, if you will, but a lot more, uh, many more people are uh, actually watching. And, uh, what else have we got? We've got, um, an opportunity for you to be a part of the work that we are doing. If you'd like to support the work we're doing, we would be gratefully appreciative. It's a financial support. If you can, we have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. And uh, when you go there to uh, provide us with some support, whatever the amount, uh, we ask that you uh, put in the email address, or they will ask this of you, to whom shall we send this contribution? And they will say, and you will say, Richard at RichardDugan.com. Once again, Richard at RichardDugan.com. And finally, if you could take time to go within to that quiet, peaceful, calm, still place, And listen to that still, small voice. We may even talk about that on this program, too. You can call it your intuition. You can call it your gut feeling. I call it my friend who has been with me since I came here uh, some 63-plus years ago. Uh, And the plus has to do with months, but we won't go that far. I'm not uh, three, but uh, 63. (laughs) And... uh, We hope that you'll spend some time listening to that still small voice. It has never steered me wrong. It's frustrated me because of the direction it wanted to take me, but I chose to take the direction and I'm glad that I did on a couple of occasions because if I hadn't, I would be looking back going, oh my God, if I'd only listened to that voice and it would have been a whole lot better if I had. So we hope you'll do that. Now we're going to ask you to listen to our guest. Our guest is uh, Esther and it is Kunst, and she is with us. Uh, she is the president of the Star of Star Financial Solutions, and we are going to talk about uh, entrepreneurism. We're going to talk about uh, uh, finances. Uh, she's um, uh, she's been on her own. Um, she has uh, let's see, on her own. She was on her own in her teen years. Uh, she owned apartments by 17. Really? I was lucky if uh, I owned a very expensive uh, uh, model that I could build, like a B-52 or a model of the Titanic, uh, maybe one quarter scale or something like that. She's had many jobs as have I. Uh, and uh, 
Apparently, the Grateful Dead has been a rather uh, interesting influence for her, and I want to thank you, uh, Esther, for joining us here on the program. It's really a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here. It is something that uh, is is difficult for a lot of people to understand, yours truly included. And I, I'm going to share a very briefly, because I, I tend to go on and on. Well, you already know that. Because we're already four and a half minutes into the program and I'm still talking. I was a paper boy in eighth grade and all through high school. And I was delivering the morning paper, Arizona Republic at that time. Should have started with the evening paper, but hey, you love and learn. And this is what basically happened on a financial level. I would go out, you know, I'd go out collecting, you know, the money and so forth. I give, remember, I don't know if you remember the, the little, little square tabs yeah. that you would give the customer. That was their receipt. Yeah. And um, I loved going out and uh, uh, seeking subscriptions from non-subscribers at the time. As a matter of fact, I was so good at it that I won numerous trips to Disneyland. I've still got the certificates for high sales. Um, however... As I mentioned, I love building models, model airplanes, planes, trains, automobiles, <laughs> to coin a phrase, uh, and then a spacecraft and so forth. And I got a little out of hand to which at one point while I was in eighth grade, believe it or not, I was fired for mismanagement of funds. Well, not long after that, they did rehire me. Uh, not because I showed any propensity for uh, management of funds, but it it has it stayed with me not so much as a trauma but as a lesson. Mm -hmm. Do you find that most people who deal with just their own personal finances are struggling with those same kinds of concepts, if you will, of 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 you know not only just management of funds, but, you know, of, of setting up a savings. My mother keeps asking me about my retirement uh, plan. And I keep telling her I don't have one. I mean, I don't plan on retiring. I love doing this too much. So I don't have a 401k. I don't have, I do have a can full of uh, a large cocoa uh, hot chocolate can from Costco that's filled. It's empty with cocoa. It's filled with coins. But that's not going to last me a day. <laughs> yeah. talk, talk to us about this aspect. And I know you focus primarily on supporting and helping women who very rarely, if ever, my father handled all of the finances uh, for the yeah. family up to a point until he wasn't able to some years back. Um, I do that for, I did it for my first wife and I do it for my present wife. Please share with us your insights. Well, and that's the whole problem that I see is that women aren't used to running their their own money and managing their, their finances. They don't have a lot of uh, vehicles out there where they can turn and talk to other women. Um, unfortunately, in my industry, only 16% of registered financial advisors are women. And you talk about your first job as on a paper route. And most of us our age 
did something like that where I grew up in uh, downstate New York, uh, about an hour from New York City. The boys all had paper routes and the girls went babysitting. But at very young ages, we were already bringing in our, our own money, not a lot, but something. Mm -hmm. And we never had the education of what to do with that money, of how to save money. Um, we had allowances. And I know, like for me, at a certain point, I, you know, if I wanted something that wasn't necessary, I had to work for it and buy it myself. A lot of kids these days don't even have that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's a real problem. And I tell women that you really need to take control of your money and your financial future because, you know, as we know, in most most times women are going to be in charge of their own assets at one point or another. If they are married, they're either going to outlive their husbands, they're going to get divorced, whatever it is. And if their parents, if their fathers are still running their money, or if they went with their father's um, financial advisor, a lot of times, or even their husbands, they don't have a rapport with that person. They don't connect with that person. And if you need to really feel comfortable with the person that you're working with. Mm -hmm. We know that women see money different than men. We know that women communicate different than men. This should not be a big newsflash. Um, and so, you know, it's simple things like there's been studies that when when men go to a bar, they sit at the bar and talk to each other while they're watching TV. When women go, they sit at a table and actually look at each other. And that's just, you know, and it's not all the time. But, you know, if you're going to in general terms, we communicate differently. Yeah. Um, women see money differently. In my own experience doing this for as long as I've been doing it, women more, give to charity more than men do. Um, women are more concerned with helping out their children and especially their grandchildren. Um, you know, men are spenders, women are savers. Um, it's just, we are programmed differently. And the thing about women and what I say is that it's not that women can't understand this. I mean, you know, nobody's born knowing it, but if you work with somebody that has the right education and background, they they can translate and, you, and can explain it. But the difference is that women aren't interested in something like this, and they've almost been taught that it, it's over their heads or whatever. So I put it with when when a lot of women, me included, are driving a car and I hear something I turn the radio up, then I don't hear it anymore and it's fixed. And then maybe a week later, I'll hear it again. I turn the radio up again. And then I'm on the side of the road and I say, oh, shoot, I should have done something about that noise rather than turn the radio up. And a lot of times women and men also, they ignore these signs until it's too late. And you're on the side of the road. And it's like, what do I do now? And that's what I try to instill in people Find somebody that you can communicate with that can translate for you and you'll be much more comfortable when, you know, education is power and you can take control of your own financial future the way you want to do it. Well, there was a, a wonderful, wonderful movie with Kevin Costner in it. Um, and I'm trying, the word 
figures was in the title and I can't remember the full name, but it had to do with the Apollo program. You might probably remember this movie. Oh yeah. And I'm just sitting here going, look, you know, I, I watched this film and I'm going, are you kidding me? You are expecting these women to do for you what it is that they are doing. And yet you will not give them their due. And women uh, th this is one of the things that I learned very early on in school, and it was, I think, maybe in biology, maybe it was in biology class, where they said that boys and girls learn differently, that girls actually, um, they uh, uh, are, are, I don't know, they, they, they intellectually, they mature earlier than boys. Uh, boys are full of energy, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, okay. And I, I hung on to that concept for a long time until I got out of school, high school, especially in the early 70s, late 70s. All of a sudden, I started hearing about this, this ADHD and all this attention deficit, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying it isn't real. All I'm saying is, wait a minute. You just told me throughout school that boys and girls learn differently that boys are full of pep and vi pe uh, uh, well vinegar <laughs> uh, uh, throughout their their young uh, young years and girls they mature a little bit more quickly and so on and so on and so on and now you're trying to normalize see that's what i perceived it as they're normalizing young people right uh, children specifically right and i'm sitting here going what are you doing they're, they do not have attention deficit, whatever it is, whatever the acronym and the letters you want to use. They are who they, because if I had grown up in the eighties, if I was going to school in the eighties, I bet you I'd be on one of those mood altering drugs. Hell, I was um, diagnosed with um, high blood pressure and I was taking the usual stuff. And then at one point, because I was having what they referred to as anger issues, they put me on, uh, let's see, what Lexapro to, as they said, level out my moods. It didn't make me a zombie, but it was supposed to, you know, I still got upset and frustrated and angry, but yeah. it wasn't. Plus the fact that not long ago, and this goes to the metaphysical aspect, I had my gallbladder and a gallstone removed. Now, the gallbladder from a metaphysical standpoint, along with the liver, are sort of the uh, the seats of anger and frustration and so forth. Well, guess what? Out it came. And I noticed an interesting change in me before. If I spilled a glass of milk, I'd go on and on and on and on after the gallbladder gone. <laughs> okay. Let's see where are the paper towels. I got to yeah. cut them up. I kid you not. Yeah. It seems yeah. to me that's part of, part of the problem that we have in terms of being able to, being able to learn more about finance. And, and this is one of the interesting things that I find uh, so perplexing and sad. And this has to do with the whole student loan thing. If kids had been taught in grade school and in going into high school, in other words, you have a class on finance, not, not talking about stocks and bonds and that kind of stuff, right. but, but talking about, Okay. How to balance a checkbook, perhaps? Uh, if you still have one, yes. How to balance a checkbook. <clears throat> How to understand um, APR, if you're yeah. going to get a credit card. And most importantly, most importantly, if you're going to college, 
and you're going to apply for a student loan, you need to know what you are getting yourself into. And do you really need a university degree or could you do it at the local community college? Is there a vocational school that specializes in that that is cheaper? Okay, and so forth. I went to broadcast school in uh, 1980. Uh, It was a six month course. It was only like thirty two hundred bucks. And I was making the payments for a couple of months until my parents came over and said, hey, where is your coupon book? We want it. We are going to take over because they paid for my sister's university. A, they went to a, most of my sisters went to ASU. Okay. So you kind of know where that's going. Yep. Do you think that we have, we have so diverted and or distracted ourselves with other stuff and we're not going down the road that we just talked about so that we don't get into these messes that tell us, Oh, I can't I can't open my own business. I'm too deep in debt. I heard this one gal this morning on the news saying that, yeah, in two months, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do, but, you know, I'm going to have to start paying my student loan again and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, what are we doing? Are, right. are, are our kids our priority? It doesn't seem like it because they're doing nothing about the school shootings, although it's now happening in everywhere else, too. Uh, we don't seem to care about our kids because we're not teaching the things that will help them. Like what we're talking about. Go ahead and well, I'll shut up now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I aren't that far apart age wise. Um, so I, you know, I was I was in high school in the seventies too, okay. and they didn't do a, they didn't do any better job then than now. Um, and I think where it's missing is this is what I just said. They don't realize that we all learn differently. And so they try to put everybody in a box. And I will tell you that in my industry, which is, you know, and again, I have been in this industry since 1983. I've been a registered advisor since 1996. I've been around long enough to watch what's going on. And in the training programs in the big firms, they teach their new advisors how to sell to men. And I have even, you know, they didn't even understand that women have their own money and they're in charge of more assets in this country than men are until about, oh, the early 2000s. And even then I go to these conferences and they have the breakout, how to sell to women. Mm -hmm. And I go in there as wallflower and I say, well, first of all, you never sell to women, you sell to men, you work with women. And they look at me like I have three heads. And I said, well, women hate <laughs> to be sold to. I said, men, you can sell to. They're used to that. They're, they're comfortable with that. Women want to understand what they're getting into. And once they do understand, they're much better investors than men ever were. I will tell you, I've had men call me from a bar saying, buy 100 shares of this. And then not remember the next day, call me and say, did, I have, did you buy stock for me last night? And women have never done that. Women come into my office and they have questions, which, by the way, they will not ask if there's a man in the in the office in the room. No. So they will ask me all these questions that they have. And it's not the percentages and the performance and all this, but more like, how am I going to get to my goal? What's the difference between growth and value? What, why, you know... I have all these stocks and everyone says that this is 
like a really aggressive portfolio, but it doesn't feel aggressive to me. And can you explain why that is? And it's it's translating the talk that we all hear. And, and they're like, well, you know, all the men understand this. Why don't we? And I said, well, they really don't. But it's just like, you know, the, the old joke, when, when a man is lost, they won't ask directions. They'll drive around for an hour until they find it, hopefully. And a woman will stop right away and ask directions. Women want to understand. Women want to have the translation. Men, on the, on the other hand, they are way more trusting of somebody to do for them. To You know, when they get that hot tip, they are more trusting that they're going to make money on it. And that's mm. that's what... How, I, it's it's how we're programmed from when we're little kids. Yeah. You know. Esther uh Esther Kunst. Kuznets. Kuznets. Yes. Esther Kuznets. I apologize for messing that up. I'll get it right from the hair on in. Kuznets. <laughs> Uh, is my guest. And she started in the financial industry as a secretary on Wall Street in the 1980s. Oh, I remember the 80s. And no, were they fun? Uh, She moved to to Sarasota, Florida in 1991 and joined a small independent firm where she was uh, reintroduced to the financial industry and truly found her calling. And after 13 years at the firm was it was time to go out on her own and work with clients her way, which is what we're talking about. And she joins a large, joined a large firm in 2008. But after six years, decided that being an independent advisor was more her style. And so she started Star Financial Solutions. And um, Esther Kuznets is my guest. And you, my friends, are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And we're talking about uh, money. We're talking about finance. We're talking about, um, well, if you're looking at retirement, an interesting thing that I'd like to talk about is just that, because I just, for different reasons than most, I applied for social security, my retirement, but I re- applied for it early. As I said, I'm 63. So that means that people are going, oh my God, you're not going to get full benefits. Oh, be quiet over there because I'm getting my retirement for a particular reason early. Now, I'm only going to get it for five months out of the year. That's fine. It's because I'm still working. That's fine. Um, but as I said earlier, my mother, you know, constantly was as has asked me on numerous, numerous occasions about my retirement plan. And I said, well, the only retiring that I will do is uh, putting new tires on my vehicle. OK, that's retiring to me. They're going to have to peel my cold, dead carcass off the console. OK, uh and and so forth uh because i took my father's advice my late father's advice and i found a job that i love doing and i i I say this with all respect to my father i did not get stuck like him and he didn't i mean maybe for a brief period of time but then he went back to junior college junior college ladies and gentlemen and got his computer programming degree now esther he did that in the 70s okay so you know it was Fanfold paper and punch cards. Mm-hmm. We had lots of drawing paper at the house in those <laughs> days. Um, I was spending money hand over fist with for models, and I have to say that my my pusher, if you will, <clears throat> was a John a man by the name of uh, John Fiore. He owned a, a business, uh, a, a mom and pop business called Fiore's Hobby Haven. It was at uh, 16th Street and, and Thomas Road in Phoenix, 
It's no longer there now, but it was then. And I was buying models and he would give me special deals and so forth. Sometimes he didn't and he made me pay full price, which was okay. It's his business. He's got to stay in business. Right. Um, this whole aspect of retirement in in a in a true sense is fairly new for not only the United States, but also globally, let's say over the last thousand years or more. This is this is like who has anything laid up for when they stop working but prior to the say the industrial revolution you worked until you died or you right. worked until you couldn't anymore and you better have a bunch of kids uh so that they can um, step in um let's talk about that aspect because i mean you already know my story i don't plan yeah. on retiring yeah is that and a mistake neither do, neither do i well you're talking to somebody my grandmother retired at 100 and the only reason why she quit working at 100 was because the bathroom was upstairs and she couldn't walk upstairs anymore. And she wasn't working full time, obviously, the last 20 years of her life. And in the end, she was working maybe two or three hours a day for two or three days a week. But it's what got her out of bed. And that's why she she lived to 101. But so I see nothing wrong with working as long as you can. And it used to be, don't forget, we used to have uh, pensions, which you don't really see anymore. If you had worked for a company or for the government long enough, you would retire at 75 and you die at 85, or, you know, you actually you'd retire at 65, you die at 75. Mm -hmm. Well, we're all working a whole lot longer. And that's what the problem with social security is, is that if you retire at six, you know, if you start taking at 62, which you can, what if you live to be 105, which a lot of people are? Mm -hmm. And that wasn't the way it was when all this stuff started. Well, now there are no pensions. It's 401ks. You got to, you know, you got to put in a little on your own and plan for this. And if you're going to retire, which I have nothing against retiring, mm -hmm. I just don't think that people, you know, people have this headset that you have to retire. Yeah. And my gig is, no, you don't. As a matter of fact, if you keep working, you're going to make more money. You can do more stuff. Do what you love at a certain point. And whether, you know, as you get older, you start working less hours or whatever. If you want to have a real happy, you know, a good life in your later years, you know, there's nothing wrong with working and making that extra money. And then you can take more vacations or or live a better life. If you retire early and decide you're not going to work anymore, especially if you don't have the assets to back that up, because let's not forget, Social Security was never, ever supposed to be the end all. That was never supposed to be what supported you through retirement. It was supposed to assist all the assets that you had been saving since you had your paper route, you know, yeah. and people forget about that. And it's not that much. And even, you know, if you do as you chose to, to retire early, which is your choice. And there's, there are certain people that that's a good choice. And there's certain people that that's not a good choice, but you are leaving a bunch of money on the table. If you are to live past a certain age, which give or take is somewhere between 83 and 87, depending on all kinds of 
things. But, mm-hmm. you know, so let's say you retire, you take Social Security at 62 and die at 69. Well, then you made the right decision. But if you should live to 100, well, maybe you've left a lot of money on the table that you could have been taking all those years. But unfortunately, we don't have an expiration date on our butt. So we don't know (laughs) what that date is. As soon as I find somebody that does, I'm going to patent it because it would certainly make my job a lot easier in helping people plan the retirements and do all that. Yeah. Um, But especially now, as we get into a recession, I question whether we're already in one in certain areas. Um, a lot of people are having a hard time already. And I, I had a conversation this morning with, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm taking, I'm taking social security, but it's not enough. I need all this money for my retirement. And I'm going, well, you can't take that much because you will be out of money Mm. in a couple of years. You know, this is not sustainable and you cannot do this. Go get a job. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm actually leaning more towards a, a, a retirement plan. I'm gonna my retirement plan is the lottery, and I'm on my way because I bought a lottery ticket a few days ago, and I just checked. I won four dollars, so I'm on my way, ladies and gentlemen, to a great retirement. <laughs> do not use <laughs> do not use the lottery as a retirement plan. You are listening and- to uh, Tell Me Your Story. We're talking with uh, Esther uh, Kuznets, and we are talking about uh, finance here on Where Else? Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And um, Esther, I want to thank you for being with us. This is really interesting. By the way, you can see her twice a month on the Suncoast View, where she educates viewers on investment, investing, financial planning, and other related topics. Uh, You have a passion for working with him uh, with and empowering women by helping them take control of their financial future so they can focus on what really matters and have confidence regarding their financial and retirement incomes to that end. If women, and of course now my mother, since my father's recent passing, uh, now she's obviously taking care of the finances. Although I did find out that my sisters are stepping in because they are also, I have had four sisters. I've also lost my eldest sister uh, uh, last year in March. Anyway, uh, I found out that they're all helping her out specifically financially as far as being able to manage everything because, you know, my mother, she's going to be 89 on the 17th of September. And, um, you know, she's still going strong. She's still having a great time. Of course, there's no telling how much longer she wants to be here. That's that's the other issue. But you mentioned something about um, outlasting, say, the benefits or, you know, making the wrong decision in that regard. And I will tell you that if my plan uh, bears out, I will have made the wrong decision because I want to live to be 100. I have to outlive my great grandmother on my mother's side. She lived to be 100. And she got that letter from the governor <laughs> for a centenarian. So from that standpoint, you could say, yeah, Richard, you made may have made the wrong choice. But the thing is, uh, I have thrown away more money over my 63 years. I mean, my second wife and I, we bought a timeshare. Where? In Hawaii. Never been to my wife's been to Hawaii, but I've never been. And then we had to do a quick claim deed in order to get out of it. And we were only a few hundred dollars shy of paying it off. But it was the maintenance fees every year that were killing us. 
So right. there it goes seven or eight thousand dollars out the window. Uh, and the list goes on of all these things. And we've all done that. I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not the only one. We've all right. thrown away potentially hundreds, if not thousands of dollars over the years. Yeah. So when you talk about leaving a lot of money on the table, I just look at it philosophically and say, and so what else is new? Um, because I can't. And of course, by the way, one other thing you in talking about social security, and of course, there, there, there are people are trying to get rid of it. They're trying to say we don't want it because now they're looking at it as an entitlement program. Yeah, that'll never happen, though. No, it won't. But I have, are the people that get social security, and all our our uh, politicians want to get voted for, so it'll never go away. Right. What they do, they're very sneaky. Yeah. So what they did, and I believe it was the elder Bush that did it. I could be wrong. But they changed the way that they figure out the cost of living adjustments. And they oh, yeah. took out they took out energy and food because of course we don't need gasoline or food to survive. So oh, no, 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 that not doesn't at all. count anymore. So where the cost of living might have gotten on, you know, a little higher because of those two <clears throat> things when they go up now, it, it doesn't go quite so high. Yeah. You know, and, and they do, and as we all know. They're jacking up the ages of when you can take it, when full retirement ages, all this stuff, mm -hmm. uh, which they really have to do because we're living longer. Right. You know, well, so but, that but, makes sense. Right. But the other but aspect is I've been hearing. Away. Yeah. But I've been hearing since the 70s. Mm -hmm. I was a teenager. I've yeah. been hearing since the 70s. Well, you better <clears throat> make plans because Social Security won't be here in the 80s. Then in the 80s, won't be here in the 90s. 90s won't be here in the first 2000s. And it's like you lying sacks of you know what? There you give, go. Give me a freaking break. You're it just you're just manipulating us. Yep. You're it just will definitely games. be here. You know, fear fear sells. Yep. And they're putting fear into. That's all they're doing. It will always mm. be here. And as I said, the reason it will always be here is those same people that are trying to scare you into voting for them because of all this. They're getting voted for by the same same age group that the other guy is. And it's the age group. It's us. Yeah. It's, you know, 50 to 80. That's who votes. Yeah. And they're the ones looking at Social Security. It's never going away. Yeah. So I don't even don't worry about that. But it yeah. certainly is something that you have to look for. And if you're not a high earner on your way up, you know, you need to take that into consideration also, because it means that the social security you're going to get is not going to be as much, you know, so you really, you're on your own. That's only to help you, yeah. but you're not, unless you start saving money and doing the 401k and having other investment options and investment programs that, you know, you're, you're working with, you're not going to have enough to live even the same life in retirement, depending on when you retire and how you retire, than you're living now. And that's what's important. It's not important to be rich and to do more. But if you're not working, you're spending more. Yeah. There's and people don't realize that it takes more to live once you stop working. And unless you have that saved, yeah, you're going to be miserable. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> I was homeless at 19 for three days. It was horrible. I talked to people that are in their 70s that have been overspending and not saving their whole lives. And I have to tell them, you have no money. You need to get a job. And they're like, oh, we don't want to work. I'm like, well, you cannot live like this. 
you know, you're going to be homeless in your 70s and later unless you get a job. And trust me, it's not a happy lifestyle. And that's one of the reasons why I feel so fortunate that at the age of 19, and I just celebrated my 44th anniversary of uh, officially uh, getting into the broadcast industry, um, if you're going into it for the money, you better be damn good like a Larry King uh, or you forget it. You better love what you do. And I do. And I haven't quite gotten to the Larry King level yet. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, but um, it's it, that is one of the other things, too, just because you're in your senior years or depending upon where you want to see the cutoff, you know, as far as middle age to senior. Um, I've heard it as early as 55. But anyway, just because you have completed your quote unquote official work period doesn't mean that you don't still have a purpose in life. It doesn't mean that you don't have a contribution to make. Let's talk a little bit about that aspect of it. You uh, have, you've been through the ringer. I mean, you just mentioned about, uh, you know, being homeless for three days at, at the age of 19. But the, what I don't understand is what happened in two years. You owned your own apartment at the age of 17 in high school as a junior. And yeah, now all of a sudden you misread that though. Oh, well, okay. Had my own apartment when I had was had okay. I didn't right. own it. I had my own apartment. <laughs> I was I, I was working five jobs and going and going to high school. How, how, wait time. a minute, five jobs? How did you go to sky? There are only twenty four hours doing in the day. Anything I could. I was working full time. I had part time jobs. I was working, and I was going to school. Going from school to this, I was babysitting. I was working at James Way, which isn't there anymore. I was I was doing whatever I could to make a buck. I was these were all legal. These were all legal, right? <laughs> well, yeah, most of them. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I was I was behind the bar a little bit, but that was okay. back back in the seventies. They did things were a little bit more uh, shady. Yeah, not shady, but um, yeah, I, body, I get you. I should yeah. say as far as age and drinking and stuff. But yeah, yeah I, I did a lot, and I worked all the time. Had my own apartment. And uh, I did end up graduating high school a year early. I I, I went to my guidance counselor. I was like, I got to get out of here. I, I can't afford this. I, I got to work. Right. And so I did. Um, and then I got a, a temp job on Wall Street eventually in, in the mm. mergers and acquisitions department. Well, let me let me ask you in regards to education here. Obviously, you graduated early from high school. So you went through the first 12 years or in your case, 11. Um. It has been said, and I mentioned earlier about this whole student loan thing. I think that in and of itself is a scam that that continues to generate the fear. But were, did you feel that you should have gone to college or that not everybody is cut out for college? I only went to a vocational school and then three semesters of junior college, which, by the way, I loved. It was a lot of fun early back in the early uh, late 70s early 80s do you think college is for everyone did you think college was for you well at the time that was all i knew was you go to high school and then you go to college both my my parents were teachers and i was in in new york i was in the regents program and i was acing out everywhere i actually ended up getting a couple of partial scholarships and in the end, I'm the one that slipped between the cracks because mm. I did not have a happy family life. I was living on my own. Um, my 
father was still claiming me on their income taxes, so I couldn't get a loan. And I don't see there's anything wrong with getting a loan and then paying it off. You need to, as you said before, if you're going to get a student loan, they need to explain to you what you're getting into. And yeah. I think that's that's the thing. Back then they did. They, I knew if I, I ha, if I went to college, I'd have to get a loan and I'd have to work my way through. And I had no problem with that. Mm -hmm. And I knew that once I got out of college and got a job, I'd be paying it off for as long as it was. And I had no problem with that. So I think that's where the issues are. The other issue is the interest rates on these college loans oh. have gone way out of control. And it wasn't like that back in the 70s. All of that being said, my life took other turns and I didn't get to go, which was a big shock to me. It was a big shock to me that I could actually make a living without a college education because it was drummed into my head that if I didn't go to college, that I'd be bagging groceries for the rest of my life and I'd never get anywhere. Yeah. But that was a whole nother issue. And the reality is I did learn that if you work your tail off, you do what you got to do and you actually can support yourself and, and you can you can do OK. I quickly learned, though, also that with my knowledge and background, there were certain areas where I could make more doing the same thing. And so I headed for that. Um, I quickly realized that what I didn't want to do, even though it was a great life, was was doing beadwork and leather work and living behind, you know, in the back of the shop and having an outhouse and having a car that never worked, mm -hmm. which is why I, you know, eventually went into a temp agency and said, get me a job that pays where I, you know, I, I know how to type. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I started at Goldman Sachs in the real estate mergers department for a year. And then I went to um, Dean Witter. It was Dean Witter Reynolds at the time over at the World Trade Center. And I was in mergers and acquisitions in the mid 80s, which was quite an amazing thing to be in. I learned a lot. I hated most of it, but you know, anytime <laughs> it was from, from, from the commute in to being there, being a woman in this industry, especially then was horrible. And, um, but I learned, I mean, I asked a lot of questions and I learned, and I knew that if I wanted to get anywhere, this is what I had to do. And sure enough, I will tell you that if it wasn't for those years back in my twenties that I hated, I wouldn't be here in my almost 60s, um, absolutely loving it and, and working my passion in a very different way than I ever thought I would be and helping people, helping a lot of people. And that's one of the things that you do. Now, you focus specifically on women, and we want to talk about that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, along with uh, our very special guest, um, no, I won't. I was going to say we have with us money bags, Esther uh, Kuznets, because <laughs> I have a money can. It's full of change. Uh, <laughs> and you have a passion for working with and empowering women to help them take control of their financial future so that they can focus on what really matters and have confidence regarding their financial and retirement income. And I want to talk about that in particular. As I said before, I have four, had four older sisters. I beg your pardon. Two older sisters, two younger, although I'm sure the younger sisters think that they're older than me uh, and smarter, considering the fact that all four of them have only had one husband. My brother and I, well, we've had at least two wives. I'm on my second, and he is, I guess, headed for number three. I 
or sticking with girlfriend kind of thing rather than getting entwined. Uh, so from the standpoint of intelligence, I would have to give them, my sisters, uh, that that accolade. I would have to tip my hat to them, ladies, because uh, you've done well. You've done well. And what's nice is I have I have four more brothers. I don't consider them brother-in-laws. They're, they even told me at my father's uh, memorial or after it that they would be there to take care of my mother with whatever she needed. And I said, man, it's so nice to be in a family of five brothers and three sisters. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm in the majority. But, <laughs> but talk to us about steps that you uh, take women through uh, who maybe a just want to get back on their feet. Maybe they did go through a divorce or they're a widow and so, and so forth. They're on their own um, or uh, they want to, and this is B they want to, they want to start a business, but they really don't know where to start or C. And I know these are three different things and you can go down the list if you'd like briefly or expand. We've got a few moments here or C it's time for me to, uh, retire. I am alone. I love people. And so I may travel, maybe take cruises or whatever. And so I want to be able to do that. And uh, maybe they're still working too. So they're able to maybe still do that. And I'm going to throw one final caveat, not D, but in terms of retirement, how late is too late? Uh, they were telling me even at the age of 55 that I could still start like a 401k or something like that while I'm working. And uh, and I would still have a substantial amount by the time I, let's say I waited until I was 65 to to retire kind of thing. So those are the the three, A, B, and C, if we can maybe just, just touch upon those a little bit. And I know that's a lot, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Let, let me tell you a story. Please love stories. Um, so, and and I I do have male clients too. So let me get it. not just women, but okay. most of my clients are women. I do have some male clients that I love. Um, but I had a woman literally brought to my office. Two of my other clients literally took her by the hands and walked her into my office. Um, probably about fifteen years ago. She was in her early to mid seventies. And she was retired. She was in a situation where in certain cities and states, if you teachers, if you have a certain retirement and a certain pension, you don't get Social Security because they made some kind of deal with the government. But you have a large pension. But she got divorced. And then her husband, her ex-husband, took half her pension. And now she was living off of half of her pension and had what was left, which wasn't much, over in another account somewhere. And the advisor over there had already told her, you're going to be out of money. And when her friends heard that, they brought her in to me. And I looked at everything and I said, you know, when he said that, did you think that was okay? And she said, well, what else was, what was I going to do? And I said, okay, here we go. A, get a job. You need to get a job. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's full-time or part-time, you cannot live on this money, go get a job. The money that she did have, we refigured it and, and got her some income off of that to help with her retirement. So now she's pulling in money from a part-time job, which by the way, she loves. And she's taking less money from her assets and whatever she's getting from her pension. 
within about a year, she had saved up enough money to actually take a vacation and go on a river cruise. And she ended up going to Israel and she ended up doing all these things because she had a job. She has thanked me so many times that I made her do this. Um, and her ex-husband actually passed away a year ago and now she has her full pension and she's doing great. She's in her eighties now. Um, so it, you know, again, it's that a lot of people don't know where to turn to get the information they need. Um, she went to somebody who hung a, a thing on the wall that called himself an advisor, did not have the experience in the background that he needed to work with somebody in her situation, um, and also did not communicate in the way that she needed to be communicated with. And so when you put together all those things, I was able to get her back on her feet, live a better life. She she did have to go get a job in her mid-70s, but she did, and she loved it. And she goes on all kinds of vacations. Even still, she's got a vacation. She's going on another river cruise in a couple months. So a lot of it has to do with that communication. And when I hear about your sisters helping your mother, and I'm thinking, well, I hope that at least one of them has a financial advisor that has the background and education to help them all. You know, somebody that they can ask questions to and get the correct answers and have things translated for them so that they can make the right decisions. And yeah. a lot of it's just making the right decision. Like when you made the decision to get the timeshare, maybe that was not the right decision at the time. And there was nobody there to say, listen, for somebody that never goes to Hawaii, maybe you should get a timeshare somewhere where you do go. Uh -huh. if that's the way you need to go. That's a little cheaper that you're going to actually use and, and, you know, make money on. So it, it's a lot of these things, you know, we are, we are put in boxes by different people and, and, and businesses and whatever. And none of us really want to live in a box. <laughs> you know, We live outside the box and, and you need to have people that think that way sometimes, depending on what your questions are. Yeah. Esther Kuznets is my guest. Uh, she is uh, the el, la presidente, la presidenta of um, Star Financial Solutions. Starfinancialsolutions.com is the website which we will be linked to and we hope that you will uh, seek her out. Uh, I've um, I've got some good information here from her uh, just in this short brief time as we have uh, been here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And um finances um let's see i'm thinking the three things you really don't want to talk about at the dinner table uh are um what the heck are they politics uh sex and money um and actually money is the least of the volatile issues in that respect but let me ask you a definition if i may from your perspective your experience what is money to me it's it's a, a way that you can live your life a little easier, right? So mm -hmm. we all have all these problems. And, you know, it goes, what is, what is rich? I was asked that question. What is rich? Well, it's different things to different people. And money is different things to different people. However, it is a tool that we all need to enrich our lives and to make our lifestyle what we want or, you know, at least a little more comfortable then it would be without it. 
And so it's it may not be the end all. Money does not make us happy per se, but it can take away some of the things that take away the joy. Let me ask you one other question in regards to finances and money and investing and all of those kinds of things. Um, there was a story that I, I love telling because I feel like I'm living it. Uh, again, this is more on the metaphysical level. Uh, a couple of guys get together. We'll call them Bob and Frank. And they go out to breakfast one day and Bob reaches into his pocket when the bill comes and he pays the bill and a little gratuity has exactly the right amount. Then uh, a few weeks later, they get together and they have lunch and they're having a great time. Great conversation. Bob, he uh, reaches into his pocket, pulls out exactly the right amount plus gratuity uh, and they go on their way. Dinner a few weeks later, same scenario, great conversation. Only this time Frank says, hey, Bob, you know, first of all, thank you so much for for paying every time we go out to eat. I really appreciate it. But but uh, I uh, I wonder, how is it that you always have the exact amount? He says, well, let me tell you a story. And he says, I was in my garage and I was going through some stuff, came across this bottle um, and I rubbed it. It was all dusty. I thought that's the kind of neat looking thing. And all of a sudden a genie pops out, says you have one wish. I'm trying to get through this quickly. And he says, uh, the genie says you have one wish, but you can't wish for more wishes. Okay. Well, let me think about it. Can I get back to you? Sure. I'll be here. Comes back a few days later. So I know what I want. I want to have exactly what I need when I need it, uh, in terms of, you know, finances. There's a part of me that feels as though that's the way I'm living. I don't have a huge bank account. I mean, I mean, I'm closer to zero than most. Yes, paycheck to paycheck is one way of looking at it. But by the same token, I'm still here. I'm making the payments on the things that, you know, I've acquired. But I'm still here. Is that, And I realize that in our economy, in our society, that isn't the way you want to live. But there are people who have hit the road traveling all over this country, getting supported, doing a little work here, a little work there for the money. And they're pretty darn happy. The problem is the pothole. The problem is what happens if, God forbid, you know, you get hit by the bus and now you're in the hospital and maybe your insurance covers some, but not all. Maybe you don't have insurance. Mm -hmm. What happens if, like I live in Florida, we just had a hurricane, you know, FEMA doesn't give you money right away all the time. You need to have, you need to have something extra for that. And when it's, it's the stuff that you don't, you know, you really, you, you never think about that you get blindsided with. And, and that's where the problem lies. Mm -hmm. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, or you have exactly enough, what happens if, something comes up that you were never expected in a million years. And then it's like, Oh, I didn't have enough for that. Right. And, and that's, that's okay. a lot of what I do with people, which is expecting the unexpected mm -hmm. and making sure that there's something over on the side, you know, there's different buckets and there's a bucket for that. There's a right. bucket for the thing that you never thought would happen. Exactly. Esther so, Kuznets is my guest, and uh, this is Tell Me Your Story. 
I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for being with us here on the program. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Yeah, I'm talking to you, you who are listening and watching on uh, on SoundCloud or YouTube or listening to the broadcast on the internet uh, at richarddugan.com. We are so grateful for your doing uh, thus, and we uh, hope that you will continue to do so as we continue talking with our very special guest, Esther Kuznets, and we're talking about money and finance, and, and yes, she works with men as well as women, but her... Her focus, uh, her specialty, shall we say, is working with women. Um, and uh, uh, do you do you uh, have you not necessarily personally, because we already know you are successful, mm-hmm. but have you uh, the stories uh, maybe give us one story of a woman that you've worked with or a man, whichever you choose, who might be able to be labeled as the story from rags to riches. Maybe they aren't millionaires or billionaires. They're not, you know, uh, Bill Gates or whoever these other guys are, Elon Musk and so forth. And, you know, I find it interesting when they talk about billionaires, it's always the men's names. I know there are female billionaires out there, but you don't hear about them. Anyway, so what about that? Uh, The the story uh, that really... Uh, impressed you touched you and so forth uh that you were able to facilitate that and they they've uh, come out the other side just doing fantastic well let's talk about my very first client then oh wow okay so 1996 i just got my series seven and um here i am and my first client so i, I was working for somebody that had an in, independent office just like mine and a friend of his had a business and he says okay esther you got your series seven you know about mutual funds go over there and he wants to do a retirement plan he's got eight employees just go over there and set them all up for a simple a simple ira plan for their business so i did the very first client that comes in um and The first thing he says is, I don't want to take any risk. My father owns a bank. Banks are safe. I don't want to have any risk. This is 1996. Yeah. So I said, all right. So we we got him into a a government bond fund, I think. You know, it's like this is government bonds backed by, you know, the faith and credit of the United States. Our government's good. Let's do that. Okay, fine. Fast forward to 2023. He's still my client. Um, his two children that we started UTMA accounts, they're both doing well, working, have their own families. They're my clients too. Now he is looking to retirement, although at this point they keep making him, you know, uh, giving him, giving him choices that he can't say no to. So he's still working there. He's come close a few times and he's worth well over a million dollars. Um, needless to say, he does take on risk now. He understands it better. Um, in all these years, he's he's got he's been putting away like crazy his whole life. Him and his wife both put into their four hundred one ks, and we've rolled money and we've done things. And um, yeah, he's worth well over a million dollars now. And mm. anytime he wants to retire, he can do so comfortably in the way that he that they have become accustomed take a couple of vacations. They love to go on cruises. By the way, there's plenty of money going to be left over for their kids and they've already planned for that. They, you know, and, and that's, and when we first started, 
Um, he would have been 33, 34. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And here we are and he's, he's doing great as what his wife just retired. Wow. So we still work together and that's it. You really do need to work with somebody that can bring you through all of that. And so where we didn't start with any risk and he wasn't making a whole lot on his investment at first, we slowly and gradually moved things up. And as he made more money and had more to invest, it was a lot of explaining to him the differences and what he can do. And now you're in a different level. We can do this with your money. And and after we went through a couple of market crashes and, and you know, bull markets and now he he's pretty comfortable with it and and he has he's he's got a lot of money that he can retire with comfortably. Esther Kuznets is my guest and we're talking um not high finance, just talking finance. Yeah. At whatever level you want to take it, you go right ahead. You want to take it to the seller, go right ahead. You want to take it to the top of the skyscraper, go right ahead. Uh we're just trying to just trying to help here. And I would think that when a person reaches that level that you just described in the story, there must be, uh, that must be one of the greatest stress relievers. And I know that you don't know what their health conditions are per se, although over the years, I'm sure they may share a little here and there, but I would venture that this guy, as he progressed upward in, uh, you know, in this financial plan that, that, that you, the two of you worked out his health, uh, the stress, must have really helped ease to the point where his health actually may be improved. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I've seen it too. When people come to me, new clients that have been losing money for a while and they're like, you know, really freaked out. And then we get everything to where it really needs to be and things start growing and things start falling into place and they understand more, you know, cause I tell them, listen, when the market goes down, you're going to lose money, but you're going to lose less. And that's what we're planning on. And when it actually happens, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember that. And so, yeah, absolute stress kills. We mm -hmm. all know that stress kills. And so if I could take some of that stress off and financial stress is a huge one, then yeah, every, everything else falls into place as well, you know, and I've had clients where I started working with and they retired and they were able to make it through retirement and live their lives. And it's like the plan works. It worked. It worked for these people they've passed on their kids have gotten, you know, the money that was, you know, that they inherited. And now they're my clients. And they're like, well, you did really great for my mom. So hopefully you'll do as well for me. And, and a lot of it is the education. Again, having somebody to go to when you're ready to make a purchase and they say, you know what, you don't need a brand new Audi, but you can go to this car place where they sell used high-end cars and get something really nice for less money that works just as good mm -hmm. and they do and and, and it, you know for for a lot less money and so that's also where a good financial advisor might come in you know and help you out but that's, that's also seems that also seems to be a big issue in regards to someone's finances that they want all these things. And um, <clears throat> is that a conversation that you have? Not not from the standpoint of talking them out of in the direct sense. Right. But having the conversation where, all right, you need to think about this. Your long-term goal is A. 
Your short-term goal here is B, and I get that you love it, whatever it is, you know, car, boat, house, blah, 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 blah. But that does not help plan A, long-term right. goal. You cannot afford this. You are living outside your means and that's what it is. And most times when people come to me and they're leasing a car, I know they're in trouble. Leasing a car most of the time is financial suicide for most people. Not everybody, not everybody. There's people that they get tax deductions and they're making a lot of money. But I see so many people leasing that car that they want that they can't afford. And they're paying way too much. And I have somebody now that it's literally put them into financial jeopardy. And I've been telling her for years, stop leasing the car. Go buy a used whatever. Yeah. And, you know, and I had, I had a client recently. My car is dead. I need to buy a car. I'm going to go get a brand new Kia, whatever. And I'm like, wait a minute. How much do you spend? Go to my yeah. friend. You go buy a used car from him. I bet you won't even spend that much and get a better car. Sure enough, she got a two-year-old BMW, exactly what she wanted for, I think, exactly the same amount of money with a better loan. You know, I could tell you stories of recently. Yeah. yeah, I could tell you stories of recently, uh, the car situation that we've gone through just in the last six months. I'll, I'll share that with you off the air. Uh, I'm curious, one other final question before we uh, begin the wrap-up portion of our program. Has bankruptcy ever been part of the conversation where you've gotten to the point with this person where, you know what, that is really the only solution left to you or I, cause I, I've done it twice. All right. And the last time I was thinking about it, I said, no, I'm not going down that road. And I did a debt settlement program with a company. And, um, I have to tell you, it was the best decision I ever made. I should have done it back back uh, in the first bankruptcy or the second. Uh, by the way, I knew, uh, I can look back on those two. I know exactly when the, the, the wrong decision was made that sent me down that path those two times. But uh, has that been a conversation at all? Well, usually by the time people are going through bankruptcy, they've, they've left me long before. There have been many times that I've tried to keep people from going there um, and they don't listen to me. And then I find, you know, and, and they just spend everything. And I, I tell them, do not take money out of your IRA. They can't take that in a bankruptcy. If that's where you're going, do not do that. Or, you know, you need to get a second job and they don't do that. They don't do the things that I tell them they need to do in order to avoid it. They don't listen. And then all of a sudden they do what they wanted to do anyway. Mm -hmm. And a year later, that's where they end up. By that time, they've taken everything under out of the accounts and they've left me. And, you know, there's yeah. really not a whole lot I can do. You know, once you're there, there's really not a whole lot anyone can do. Yeah. Um, and your service, your service is not free. They pay you. This is always what's frustrated me. For example, Gordon Ramsay, his programs on <clears throat> rest nightmare restaurant kitchen or nightmare kitchen nightmare rather. And they call him, bring him in. Right. And then they complain about his advice. And I'm going, wait a minute. He didn't yeah. just walk in. You called him. They called you Esther. Yep. And they don't, and they're paying. I mean, your service isn't free. They don't. Well, I get, I, I don't charge for that. I, I make money on, you know, the investing and stuff. I, sure. and I choose to okay. do it that way. But uh, yeah, if you're going to come to me and yeah. you want me to be your advisor, 
you should listen to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? well, and when they don't, that's, you know, I, I know stuff. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, when I tell people, when we encourage people to go within and listen to that still small voice and follow the promptings, I used to seriously say, I say it jokingly, tongue in cheek now, because I don't want to offend anyone. Look, if you're going to listen and you're not going to follow the promptings, why are you listening? What's the point? Why? Um, Esther Kuznets is my guest uh, talking about um, these uh, all these wonderful financial issues here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and Esther Kuznets is my guest, and I want to thank you. Uh, by the way, um, we encourage you to go to starfinancialsolutions.com. Uh, fi- uh, starfinancialsolutions, it is plural, .com will be linked to that website. I have three final questions that I like to ask all of my guests, and I'm going to ask those of you in just a moment. But first, I want to thank you folks for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We are also on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We podcast these programs via SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We're also on youtube there's so many locations i can't i gotta i'm gonna have to cut that down to three uh youtube where you can watch and you can listen to these interviews and i hope that you'll at least uh, select notification <clears throat> if you don't subscribe again it's not about the numbers for me it's about getting the information out for you and um i'll be very excited when we roll over this vehicle to a hundred thousand listens that'll be very exciting we're about 700 away so uh, as of this conversation, and uh, so I'm hoping that you will do that. And also, if you can support us financially, we would be so gratefully appreciative of that. Uh, we have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And when you go there to uh, send us support, they're going to ask you for an email address to whom you're going to send that support. And it is Richard at RichardDugan.com. That's Richard at RichardDugan.com. And then, of course, as we've already mentioned, uh, uh, you know, talking listening to that still small voice and um, uh, i'm curious uh, with people who do spend time going within meditating etc and listening to that still small voice how big a role do you allow your intuition to play in this process when you are working with people oh 100 okay 100 um i i believe in in what you're saying absolutely i mean i wouldn't be where I am today if if I didn't listen to that smaller voice and listen to my intuition. Um, I have intuition about people. I have intuition about the markets, you know, things that I've studied, things that I've experienced. I think we all do. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, that plays a big, big part. When I see somebody making the wrong decisions and, you know, that's I, I see what's going to happen. Isn't mm-hmm. that a part of that? And, and that's how I can help them if they want to be helped. And that's the whole thing. If you don't listen, you know, you're on your own and then things, you know, you might end up with a timeshare in Hawaii. (laughs) You can, you can use that as a selling. So you can use that as a selling point down the road to people. Yeah. I knew this guy, uh, we had a conversation and he, he and his wife bought a timeshare and they got rid of it only owing another, maybe two or $300 because they wanted out of the uh, monthly, the end, the, uh, the, the uh, maintenance fees. Uh, I have three final questions that I want to ask you that I ask all of my guests. And I thank you so much for giving us this time on the program. And I hope that people will go to Star Financial Source, 
starfinancialsolutions.com. I need to slow down is what I need to do. <laughs> but I'm so excited about this whole conversation. First question is, first of all, how did you come to the last name? Because you mentioned to me before we started that Kuznets is not your given maiden name, if you will, or birth name. Right. So what I obviously had problems at home um, and I never got along with my father. And so I didn't want his name. Mm, And so I decided to change it. And my mother's grandparents, when they left Russia and Ukraine, it was Kuznets. And so I took that name. I added a couple of vowels and Kuznets was born. So actually in that area, it's, it's like Smith. It's uh, Kuznets is, is not an unusual name here. It's a little bit more unusual. My brother says, if, if you use two Z's, it's good Scrabble word. I like that. I like that. <laughs> so to that end, who is Esther Kuznets? Oh boy. Um, I'm very independent, very type A. Um, I am very spiritual, which is something that your show lends to. Um, I want to help people. I actually, in high school, I wanted to be a um, guidance counselor when I grew up. And then when I couldn't go to college, I couldn't be a guidance counselor. And now I'm pretty much a guidance counselor. (laughs) (laughs) I just got there a very, very different way. Um, I am a deadhead, which is might be where you're where you're going with that. Maybe, maybe not, because I know you know that, Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, the Grateful Dead situation always says you know you if somebody needs something you need to give it to them mm-hmm. and you need to be there for each other um mm-hmm. and that's who i am i'm here for people i want to help people i want to you know empower women i mean that's the whole thing women need to be empowered mm-hmm. whether they can do it on their own or they need somebody like me to work with them and help them be empowered it's so so important what is your life's purpose what I'm doing, um, my passion is working with women and getting them to where they, you know, to where they they are comfortable and empowered. I, mm. I've taught scuba diving to women. I used to ride a motorcycle and I was the president of a women's motorcycle club. All these things that are male dominated. Being a financial advisor is male dominated, um, and and I'm here to tell women: listen, you can do this. You can do mm. this, and you can do it better. But you know, and I'll be here to help you whenever I can. And and that's my passion is getting people into their own um, and being able to do what they thought they never could do and doing it better than they ever dreamed of. And finally, what was your best day? Oh, I've had so many. (laughs) (laughs) I've had so many, you know, that that's a hard, hard question. Um, Maybe the day that I I bought my first house, which I thought I would never do, you know, I never in a million years thought I'd own my own house. And I I did when I was 30, I bought my first house. Um, Moving into that was so empowering. Um, The day I opened my own business and it was so scary. And and I I was starting from scratch pretty much. And I did it, you know, and and realizing how far I've come. They're they're all good days. Um, But the Probably those two were the most empowering and and the two best days of my life. 
Well, Esther, again, thank you so much for sharing your story and the information about finance uh, with our audience, with my, myself. And uh, I uh, can't thank you enough. And hopefully we'll have you back again to talk further about this conversation because it needs to be talked about on a regular basis. So again, thank you. And thank you for having me. I can't wait to come back. Uh, we will. I promise you we'll have you back. Okay. Thank and you. I hope that you folks will come back to uh, listen to and watch Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And until then, love to lol. Jeanette, I am still listening. Dad, I'm glad you're happy. And Doug, or shall I call you Smokey, I'll see you down the road.